Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7, we're going to read verse 10 in just a moment, but we're beginning a new series tonight on how to study the Bible because the Word of God is essential if we're going to live the life that God is calling us to live. We've got to know what he's saying to us. We've got to know who he is and how he's calling us to live. And so it's very important that we know how to study his word. And so tonight's message is going to be an introduction message, and it's called Start With Your Heart. Start With Your Heart. There was a small country church pastor who entered the church building with his young son, and they had an offering box at the door. And so on the way in, he dropped some money in the offering box. Not many people came that night, and those who did didn't seem to be too excited about being there or about what he said. After the service, the preacher and his son walked to the back and opened the offering box and emptied it out to have it deposited. Out fell only the money that the pastor had put in. The young boy looked at his dad and said, Dad, if you had put more in, you'd have gotten more out. It's funny, but you know, there's a lot of truth to that little boy statement because God said, you reap what you sow. And that's true in every area of, of life, and it's certainly true in regard to studying the Bible. What we put into studying the Bible determines what we get out. And so as we start this series on how to study the Bible, it's important because this is a question that uh, I have had asked many times over my uh, 30 plus years of ministry. And a lot of times people just ask, where do I start? How do I go about it? And those are good questions, but the answer may surprise you. You actually begin with yourselves before you open your Bible. Ezra 7.10, read it with me. I'm reading from the New King James because I think it expresses it well in this verse. It says, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek. Some versions say study. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek or study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. So he was going to study it. He was going to practice it. And then he was going to pass it on to others. He was going to teach others. But Ezra models what it means to study the Bible. He prepared his heart to study the scripture. There's so many benefits to studying God's word. And, and I pray that this series will encourage you to do what Ezra did and set your heart to study his word. But like Ezra, we must prepare our hearts before we enter in to this wonderful task of studying the Word of God. Many things in life require preparation, don't they? Before you exercise, you need to prepare by stretching your muscles in order to avoid injury. Am I right? Before you do a project, a repair project in your house, you need to prepare by, by making sure that you have the tools and the supplies needed so you don't get started and then find out you have to leave it halfway because you don't have what you need to complete it. When you go into something without preparation, you will experience problems or you may fail at the task. So studying the Bible 
is one of the most important endeavors that we can engage in, and that requires preparation as well, so that it will be beneficial to us and will not be discouraged and give up. And the preparation that I'm talking about focuses on our heart. Ezra teaches us several important principles about how to prepare to study the Bible. First of all, Ezra teaches us that you have to open your heart before you open your Bible. Open your heart before you open your Bible. You see, studying the Bible is a matter of the heart, not just the mind. Studying the Bible is not an intellectual exercise. You don't go about studying the Bible the same way that you go about studying history or math or any other subject that may interest you. When we study these other subjects, the mind is engaged, but not the heart. Studying the Bible obviously requires our mind to be engaged because we have to use our intellect to be able to understand the words and what is being said. But we will not hear God's voice speaking to us and be changed by the truth of his word if we read it only with our mind and don't open our heart to hear from God. We need to come to the word of God with an eagerness to meet God on each page. Because you know what? The Bible is God's self-revelation to us. The Bible is God saying to us, this is who I am know me, have a relationship with me. And so we will never know God, not just in the mind, but know God in his fullness, personally and intimately, unless we come to the word of God with an eagerness to meet him on each page, to hear his voice speaking to us through every word, and to know his will for our lives so that we can do it. Someone has said that God is not an idea to be contemplated, but a person to be loved. He's not an idea to be contemplated, but a person to be loved. So we come to the word of God, not just to get ideas about God, but we come to the word of God to know him more deeply, to love him more fully. We want to meet God in the pages of his book. We read the Bible with our minds to learn about God, and we read it with our hearts to love God more, to know him more deeply. And loving him also means living the way he desires. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So God wants us to study his word with our minds so that our thinking will be changed. We read earlier when we were preparing to receive the offering from Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the word of God renews our minds so that our life will be changed. God wants the power of the word to impact our hearts so that our lives will be changed to be more like Christ. You know, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. And do you know what it's all about? It's all about the importance of the word of God in our life. And it makes an emphatic connection between the power of the word to change our lives and the heart with which we come to the word. Psalm 119 verse 2, blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. 
Verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 34, give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Verses 47 through 48, for I delight, that's something the heart does, right? The heart delights, the heart finds pleasure in something. I delight in your commands because I love them. Love is something the heart does, right? I delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. There's that emphatic connection between our heart as we approach the word of God, as we desire the word of God, as we learn the word of God, and the transformation that it brings in our life. There's a direct connection between the heart with which we approach the word of God and what we receive from the Word of God and how it impacts and transforms our life. Just think of this illustration. You can have a hundred people in a service and people with the right heart, they will hear a sermon, any sermon, and they'll receive something from it that will impact their life. But if your heart's not right, you will walk out and say, I'm not spiritually fed. I didn't get anything out of that message. How many of you know what I'm talking about, amen? If your heart's right, whatever message goes forth from the word of God, you're going to hear God speaking to you. You're going to receive something from the word of God. When our minds and our hearts are prepared for Bible study, we find delight in studying God's word. We find delight in hearing God's word preached and in hearing God's word taught. It is exciting and it is life-changing. Studying the Bible is not only a matter of the heart as well as the mind, but studying the Bible is about heart transformation. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit. That's so important. Because the soul has to do with our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts, our opinions, right? And the spirit is the part of us that is in communion with God. The spirit is the part of us that God touches, that God speaks to, that God reveals himself and his will to us. And sometimes in our soul, we can think something is right. Sometimes in our soul, we can uh, feel certain things. And God's word is what will come in and show us what is of self and what is of spirit. It will divide between the two. Amen? Because sometimes we can feel something so strongly that we're like, it's God, it's God. But then we get into the word and God's word brings that clear line and says, this is not God, this is self, this is flesh, and this is spirit. And that's how the Holy Spirit works through the word uh, in our life to keep us in tune with God. So it divides between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes 
of our heart. That's the soul, right? That's what's going on in our soul, the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Too often, people read the Bible to judge whether or not they will believe or accept what it says, rather than reading the Bible and allowing it to judge the thoughts and attitudes of their heart. There's a big difference, right? We come to the Bible and we'll say, well, I believe that. No, I'm not going to live by that. No, I don't like that. That's judging the word of God, right? Rather than coming to the Bible and saying, Lord, I surrender myself before your word. Speak to me, Lord God, not my will, but your will. That's what I want. That's what I desire. That's how we should approach our own personal Bible study. That's how we should report, approach uh, sitting and hearing the preaching of God's word is with that open heart that says, Lord, speak to me, convict me, change me. Someone compared reading his word or hearing his word preached to an x-ray machine. As we read the word or we hear the word preached, it reveals to us what he sees on the inside of us. And it allows us to see ourselves as God sees us. And sometimes that ain't pretty. Amen. <laughs> sometimes there's stuff the x-ray machine shows up that says, that shouldn't be there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. And so when we stand before uh, the, the x-ray of God's word, he shows us the things in our life that should not be there. His word exposes our heart, convicts us, so that we can take corrective action. Now, the Pharisees, they studied God's word, right? They knew God's word better than any of us here. But they didn't allow it to judge their hearts and change their lives. They studied the scripture intellectually, learning all of its commandments. But what ended up happening is it resulted in a cold rigidity of legalism, trying to keep God's laws out of duty and obligation, but it didn't bring a changed life. And they didn't have a relationship with God. They didn't know God. That's why they couldn't even recognize Jesus when he was right in front of them, because they didn't know God. They knew his word, but they didn't know God. Now, Ezra, he knew the importance of coming to the scriptures with a right heart. So the Bible says he prepared his heart to seek the word or to study the word. And that's where we need to begin. We need to come before we open our Bible and we need to pray that God will open our heart. Before we sit under the preaching of God's word, we need to pray, God, open my heart so I might hear what you want to say to me today. We need to humble our heart that whatever the Holy Spirit shows us through the word, we might repent as he exposes those things that should not be there. And we need to submit to his ways and to his commandments because sometimes, you know, we argue against the commandments, you know. It's like, I'm not going to do that. If I forgive, then people are going to trample me underfoot. Uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. You know, have you ever done that? Have you ever argued with scripture and said, you know, I'm not going to do that because that doesn't work? Come on now. I'm not going to tithe because if I tithe, I'm not going to have enough to pay my bills. Hallelujah. I'm not going to honor my husband. I'm not going to serve my wife. Because then they're going to take advantage of me. We argue all sorts of stuff in scripture. Say that doesn't work. 
But we need to come to Scripture and say, God, this is your word. And your word is true, and it is perfect, and it cannot fail. So, Lord, as you speak to me, I surrender myself to the truth of your word. Let it change my thoughts. Let it change my attitudes. Let it change my opinions. Let it change my life. See, it is the word of God, and we need to come to the scripture with a heart that is surrendered and say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, change me. Lord, help me to obey your word. Notice what it said in Ezra 7.10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to study or seek the law of the Lord and to do it. There are some Christians, they have a PhD in Bible study, but you don't see any evidence of it in their life or very little. Amen? We tend to know a whole lot more of the Bible than we actually practice. Amen? But the scripture says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. But with Ezra, there was an eagerness, an eagerness to learn God's law so he could obey it. When you have a relationship with God, you want to know his will. You want to do his will. It's not a heavy burden. It, it, it's not a dutiful obligation. But you know that his will is the best thing for your life. And, and so you want to do his will. It's a delight. It's a joy. Obedience is burdensome when it's just a matter of the mind, like the Pharisees who intellectually knew the law. I have to do this. I'm supposed to do this. This is what God requires of me. As opposed to a heart, like the psalmist said, I delight in your law. I love your commands. You see the difference? Amen? God wants the heart that says, I delight in your law. I delight in your commands. Obedience is a delight when it flows from the heart. When it says, God loves me so much and he's done so much for me. I love him and I just want to do what pleases him. I want to do his will. So the first principle of Bible study, open your heart before you open your Bible. Second principle, depend on the help that God has made available to you. First of all, the first help God has provided is the Holy Spirit. So invite the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. Do you know we can't understand the word of God without the Spirit's help? Now I'm not saying that we can't understand the words that are written because we all read English for most of us is our native language. So we all read English and we understand, you know, what certain words mean and we put them together in a sentence. We can understand what the sentence means, but we don't understand the spiritual truth without the Spirit's help. So many people sincerely set out to study the Bible, but through the years, I've heard the discouragement in their voices when they say, I just don't understand what it means. I just don't understand what I'm reading. I need help. And God knows that. In, 2 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, the person 
without the Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And he goes on to say, the natural mind cannot understand the things of the Spirit. So our natural mind may be able to understand the words written on paper, but we cannot understand the spiritual truth of what God is speaking to us without the help of the Spirit. But the good news is that Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit to be our helper, our teacher. The Greek word is paraclete, and it literally means one called alongside to help. And he said he was going away, but he was sending us another helper. And listen what this helper would do. John 16, verses 12 through 15. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. See, God wants to say so much more to us, but, but we can't really grasp it. We can't understand it. And we may not be able to deal with all of it right now. He goes on, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. What is Jesus saying? He said, I'm sending you a helper, and he is going to be your personal teacher. And he's going to help you to understand the word of God. He's going to help you to understand what I'm speaking to you, what you need to know. So the spirit leads us into all truth. He teaches us the truth that we need to know when we need to know them and when we are ready to receive them. Jesus knew in, in verse 12 that the disciples were not ready yet to receive certain things that he wanted to tell them. But the Holy Spirit would teach them those things when they needed it. That's why, you know, at the end of uh, our services, on, uh, when I give an altar call for people that want to receive Christ, and then I tell them there's three things you need to do. You need to pray, then you need to read the Word. And I always say this, pray before you read the Word. Ask God to help you to understand what you're reading. What you don't understand, put it to the side. When you need to understand it, God will help you to understand it. That's what I'm talking about. See, right now there's certain things that we couldn't grasp if God wanted to say it to us. Maybe it's too much for us where we are spiritually right now. We need to be more spiritually mature. Have you ever said to your kid, when you're older, I'll explain it to you. Right? And so that's what God does with us as well. He's a, when, you, when you're spiritually older, when you're spiritually more mature, then I'll tell you that. But right now, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. Amen? But just realize that when you're studying the Bible, you are not alone. God has given you your own personal divine tutor, the Holy Spirit. So we need to pray before we open the Bible and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you now to be my teacher. Help me to understand what I'm reading and how it applies to my life. With an open heart, pray that before you start reading. Secondly, invite those that God has gifted to teach to speak into your life. 
Invite those that God has gifted to teach to speak into your life. Not only has God provided us the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, but God has placed mature believers in the church who have a strong knowledge of God's word. He has gifted some people within the body with supernatural abilities, and one of those abilities, the Bible tells us, is the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching is word. And, and teaching can take place in many settings. Of course, it can take place from a pulpit, and that's one of the most regular and consistent ways that it does. But it can also take place in a small group, or it can take place across a table, uh, over a cup of coffee in a conversation. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus gave a command to his church, his followers, to go into all the world and preach the gospel making disciples of all nations, and he said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So one of the primary functions of the church is the preaching and teaching ministry of the word. Now, I love worship. I love to enter into God's presence, and there's a big worship movement right now, and I love the renewal of worship, but there's one thing that we need to be careful of, that we don't make an idol out of worship and neglect the word of God. Notice the Bible says that Jesus went all, about, all through Galilee preaching the gospel. It didn't say Jesus went all through Galilee leading worship services and singing. He went preaching the gospel. When he sent his church, he said, go into all the world and lead awesome worship services with smoke and lights and excellent musicians. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In fact, many times where they preached the gospel and the Holy Spirit moved in mighty ways with healings and deliverances, they didn't even have music. If you read through the book of Acts, they didn't have a beautiful worship band like we do. And I'm not saying anything. I'm not knocking worship. We need to worship God. Worship is important to God. Singing is important to God. One of the longest books in the Bible Psalm, is Psalms, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a worship book, right? So I'm not saying it's not important, but we need to be careful that we don't elevate worship to a place that it does not belong. And by worship, I'm not talking about the worship of living our lives in offering to God. I'm just talking about that aspect of, of singing and that aspect of, of, enter, uh, 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 of experience. Because that's one thing I see today is the emphasis on experience. And don't get me wrong, we need to experience God. But some experience can be just experience and not experiencing God. You can go to an awesome secular concert with great lights, great smoke, great musicians, and you can have an experience. But it's not necessarily an experience of God. So we, we, need, we need to understand this, and we need to understand the critical role that the preaching and teaching of God's word plays in his plan and in our lives and in his church. It is central to God's plan for our lives. God's design is for more mature believers to teach less mature believers the word of God so they may know how to follow Jesus. But it requires less mature believers to set their heart 
to seek those opportunities to learn. And how do you seek those opportunities to learn? Regular attendance in church, Sunday mornings, Wednesday, Wednesday nights, involvement in the ministries of the church and Bible studies, developing relationships with more mature believers and allowing them to speak into our lives. That's how we grow and understand God's will for us. Third principle that we learn from Ezra, engage in Bible study purposefully. Engage in Bible study purposely. Engage the Bible with the purpose to ensure your salvation. 2 Timothy 3.17, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. And so the Bible teaches us how to be saved. The Bible teaches us how to walk out our salvation. So the Bible enables us to ensure our salvation. Amen? As we study the scripture, particularly those that pertain uh, to, to salvation and having a relationship with God, we are deepening our assurance in our heart that we are saved. Engage the Bible with the purpose of growing spiritually. When we first come to Christ, Jesus said we're born again. And we are described in scripture when we first get saved as babes in Christ. But like all babes, we need to grow, all right? When a baby's born, if they stayed in that form, just crying and, 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 and pooping their diaper and wanting a bottle, and they stayed in that form and they were 40 years old, we would say, something's wrong, right? Because they're not growing, they're, they're not maturing. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 2, it says, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So what he's saying is we need to have a strong desire for the word of God. Have you ever seen a hungry baby? They have a strong desire for milk. And they're going to let you know. They're going to cry, and 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 they're going to cry until you get, they get their milk, right? And that's the kind of strong thirst, the kind of strong desire that we need to have for the Word of God. Because the Word of God is the essential nourishment for our soul that we need in order to grow. And the Bible is repeatedly described as spiritual food. In fact, um, the scripture goes on in Hebrews, and it tells us that we need to move on from the milk of God's word to the meat of God's word. So when we first get saved, you know, we, we, we're on the milk. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Oh, God loves you so much. You're saved. Your sins are forgiven. We, the milk of God's word. But then... There's some deeper truths that we need to know. Put off the old man, put on the new man. Put to death the flesh, walk by the spirit. There's deeper truths that we need to know, the meat of God's word. Most of us in here are not infants. How many of you are still drinking from a bottle? No hands. How many of you like some meat on your plate? I'm vegan, but how many of you like some <laughs> meat on your plate? Amen. 
You want something to chew, something that, that's substantial, right? That's how we need to be with the word. When we first get saved, we need the milk. But the more we grow, we need the meat. That means we need to go deeper in God's word. How, how, how does that deeper look? Well, when we first start, we may do devotionals. Devotionals are a wonderful place to start diving into God's word, right? And devotional is you may read one or two scriptures and then somebody has written one or two paragraphs that talk about those scriptures and how it applies to our life. And that's good stuff. Devotional reading, and you can keep it up throughout your spiritual walk, right? But there comes a point where we need, we need to go beyond those two paragraph devotional readings on one verse. We need to dig in and we need to study the meat of God's word. Just as our bodies need food, substantial food every day, our soul needs the spiritual food of the Bible every day to be strong and healthy. Thirdly, we need to engage the Bible with the purpose of being personally blessed and encouraged. Romans 15, 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You know, as Christians, we go through some stuff, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So as Christians, we go through some stuff, and sometimes when we go through those hard times, those difficult seasons... We get discouraged by difficulties. Ever been there? I put up both hands. Amen. The, the, the trials that we go through and, and, of course, the work of the enemy in our soul is intended to discourage us, to intended to cause us to lose hope. But as we study the Bible, we read of God's great promises to us and our faith is encouraged. As we study the word, Israel got themselves in a bunch of messes in the Old Testament, amen? And sometimes they were at the point where you thought they are going to be wiped out. But then what happened? They called out to God, and he came down and he delivered them. Man, I read some of that stuff, and I'm like, God, you did that for them, and you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm believing you that you are going to do that for us, Lord. You see, it, it encourages us, right? It gives us hope. Because the best predictor of who somebody will be in their future is who they have been in their past. So the best predictor of who God will be in our future is who he has been in the past. And so all of these things, Paul says, that were written for us in the past, they were written for our encouragement to give us hope. And so as we read how God came through time and again for his people, for those who trusted in him, we are encouraged, we are strengthened, we are given the ability to endure because we have hope that God will do it again. Amen? So engage the Bible to be encouraged and blessed. Fourthly, engage the Bible with the purpose of allowing it to guide your life. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One of the many benefits of studying God's word is that it lights the way before us so that we can see the path clearly. When the word of God is dwelling deeply in our heart, it will guide 
every decision that we make. When we make decisions based on his word, we can be certain that they will be the right decision. So you've got to be studying. You can't, the, when, when you're faced with a perplexity, you can't all of a sudden put out the Bible and say, I wonder if there's anything in here that, that speaks to this situation. You need to have the word of God, like the Bible says, dwelling in you richly. And the moment that you are faced with, with a situation, with a decision, with a choice, that word is going to be a standard in you that is going to rise up and it's going to let you know what God wants you to do in that situation. Fifthly, engage the Bible to defend against and defeat the enemy. As Christians, I don't have to tell you that we have a real enemy, the devil, and that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, 17, that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The word of God is the weapon that God has provided us not only to defend ourselves, but to defeat the enemy. When the enemy attacked Jesus in the wilderness, what did he say? He said, well, you know, preacher Osteen, he said, and he quoted some preacher. Or, or uh, I can't remember his name right now, preacher Potter's house. He said, and he quote, yeah, he didn't quote T.D. Jakes, did he? No, he said, it is written. And he quoted the word of God. And let me tell you something, in the heat of temptation, you do not have the time to whip out a Bible and search a concordance to find a verse that speaks to the temptation you're facing. No, the word has to be inside. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the moment the temptation comes, the word of God rises up as a standard by the Holy Spirit to deflect that temptation. So we have to have the word of God dwelling inside of us. And we can overcome the devil's assault when we know, pray, and apply the scripture to our lives. Another principle, engage the Bible to reach and teach others. For instance, parents are called to teach their children the word of God. But you can't teach what you don't know. So you have to study the word so you can pass it on to somebody else. As we saw earlier, the great commission to us, to his church, to his followers, is that we would go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, teaching them to obey all things that he has commanded us. But we can't teach what we don't know. You know, a, a lot of times through the years I've heard people say, well, you know, I really can't witness because I don't know the Bible too well. Well, well, you can start with what you know and tell people about Jesus. And if they come up with a question that you don't know, you can say, well, you know what? I'll search that out and I'll come back with an answer. So not an excuse not to witness. But also, if you're saying, I can't witness because I don't know, what are you doing to know more? Are you studying God's word to better equip yourself so that you can share Christ with others? We need to study the word of God so that we can witness to others and so that we can teach them the ways of the Lord. Another principle, engage the Bible to verify 
the teachings of others. Acts 17.11, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. Folks, if ever there was a time that this scripture was essential, it is now. There is so much deception in the church today, and that's prophesied in the Bible because one of the characteristics of the end time would be the rise of false teachers and preachers. And if we don't know the word of God, we will be so easily led astray. Because somebody comes along, they read a verse, and then they go on talking from their own mind, whatever it is they're saying, and just because they read a scripture, we think it's God's word. Oh, but they quoted a scripture. Yeah, they quoted a scripture, but was what they sang truly accurate and lining up with all of God's word, with the full counsel of God's word? So we need to study the scriptures to protect ourselves from being led astray by false teachings. Because as we approach the end, this is going to get even more intense, the battle that we are going to face with false teaching. So we need to study the word. Engage the Bible to know God and encounter Jesus. The Bible is the revelation of God to us. It is God making himself known to us. I want you to hear something from John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory and his truth. The Word the Word. Why was Jesus referred to as the Word? Because he was the revelation of God to us in the flesh. That same title that was given to Jesus, Logos, is what, what the Bible is referred to as the Word of God. It is God speaking to us. It is God revealing himself to us. It is God saying, this is who I am, and I want you to know me because I want to have a relationship with you. That's what makes the Bible unique. Every other spiritual book written by uh, yogis and whatever other kind of spiritual, that's the ideas of man groping after God, trying to figure out who he is. But the Bible is God saying, this is who I am, and I invite you to know me. The goal of reading the Bible is not to gather more information about God. The goal of reading the Bible is to know God more and to have a deeper relationship with him. In Ephesians 1.18, Paul prayed for believers at Ephesus that, they, that God would give them spiritual wisdom and insight that they might know, grow in the knowledge of God. And when he's talking about the knowledge of God, he's not talking about intellectual knowledge. 
He's talking about that personal, relational, intimate knowledge of God. He said, God give them spiritual wisdom and insight that they might grow in the knowledge of God. And this is a prayer that we should be praying as we approach the Bible. God, give me spiritual wisdom and insight that I might grow in my knowledge and understanding of you, that I may know you more deeply. That's the goal of reading the Bible. Not just we have more information about God, but that we know God more deeply and know his will for our lives. The Bible is God's love letter to us, written by the one who loves us the most and knows us the best. And as we read it, we come to its pages to encounter him, to hear his voice, to see his face, and to experience his life-changing truth and presence in our lives. Could we take a moment today before we close and pray that we might have a heart like Ezra to love the word, to learn the word, to live the word, and to teach the word to others? Would you take a moment and just pray that in your own heart? Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we humble ourselves before your presence and before your word. And we say to you tonight that we want to have a heart like Ezra. We want to have a heart that sets itself to study your word because we want to know you more. We want to hear your voice. We want to sit at your feet and learn of you, Lord God. Give us a heart, not only to learn your word, but to live your word, to do it, to put it into practice in our lives. Give us a heart that says, Lord, transform me by your word so that I can live according to your will, a life that is pleasing and honoring to you. And Lord, let us have a heart to study your word so that we may be better equipped to tell others about you and to teach them your ways. Give us this heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to continue the series next Wednesday night, so don't you miss it. Invite somebody to come with you. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift To help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.